What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Spiritual Gangsters Podcast. This is a show for all the people who keep it 100% real, who've been through life able to turn their pain into purpose, for people who've struggled with faith, yet keep asking questions and seeking the truth. It's a show for us to share our thoughts, experiences, and stories, and know that we're not alone. For all the OGs who see through the world's BS, this is The Spiritual Gangsters. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of The Spiritual Gangsters Podcast. It's me, Teresa, and I'm here with my favorite co-host, partner in podcasting crime, the New York Patriot. Say what's up. What's up, what's up? (laughs) How are you? Good. Thank you very much. Yes, and you? I'm okay. Good. Yeah, I'm doing all right, you know. <laughs> I'm happy because I have a fellow Torontonian on the podcast today. Yes. Canadian, <laughs> Canada in the house. Yeah, Canadian here. ladies in the house. <laughs> My friend Sylvie is here. So she is truly phenomenal. And uh, I'm really in awe of her for many reasons. She wears many hats. She's not only an amazing mom to a teenage daughter. So that's Aww. like a whole accomplishment in itself. She's a nutritionist, a personal trainer. She studied yoga and Reiki. She's an actress. She is a breast cancer survivor, uh, an abuse survivor, and also hosts the Wellness Girl podcast. So she's quite phenomenal and accomplished. I welcome you, Sylvie, to the podcast today. Holy smokes. (laughs) Those are big shoes to fill. Are you sure you're talking about me? (laughs) Yeah, they're your shoes. So I'll try to live up to that. Okay. They're your own shoes, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that was an intro and a half right there. How do you follow up with that? I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> There's all those things. I was like, man, I'm like, how am I going to introduce her? And I was like, she does so many things. Yeah, I told you. You're amazing. <laughs> all right, all right. I guess all those things are true, so. Uh, <laughs> Just own it. Truth, actually. That's a big, big, uh, big thing in my life. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I know there's like so many parts to your story, which is why I invited you on the podcast. But I guess where is a good place to start is maybe how you woke up to things in like 2020. And then I'm sure it'll like branch off into all the other aspects of your life somehow. <laughs> uh, yeah, it totally does. Okay, so in 2020, something weird was happening. I don't know if it's because I did like the Reiki training and the yoga stuff or whatever, but I was definitely picking up something like in the spiritual realm of things. I would say like in January of 2020, I mean, we were hearing things in the media, but like, I don't watch the news. That was not like where I would get my sources of information. Just there was something weird in the air. And by March, before March 13th or whatever the date was, that they just like shut everything down. I remember there were like, big things happening even in my personal life where I was feeling this bubbling up of you need to tell the truth. Like you need to know that there's no more like pretending like things didn't happen. So uh, you introduced me as an abuse survivor. So that, that word right there, abuse, I couldn't even come to terms with it. Actually, um, it took 14 years. Oh wow. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, I was at that point where I was just like, okay, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a heart-to-heart with my ex-mother-in-law and my ex-husband. Like, they can't keep doing 
what they've been doing and just getting away with it. Um, because I had cancer, I kind of allowed them to re-infiltrate into my life, I'd like to say, in a way that I probably wouldn't have allowed had I not been so vulnerable. So anyway, it got to the point where I was really feeling like, oh, this is not in my best interest at all. And if I should speak up, I know that whatever help I've received from them is probably going to drop off. And that, lo and behold, did happen. But <laughs> I was just feeling this bubbling up of like, you need to tell the truth and all this stuff. So just a week before the pandemic hit, I ended up having kind of like this uh, breaking away from that family dynamic. I started to say no to outings and to um, just participating in their day-to-day, I don't know, like shenanigans, we'll say. Um, that wasn't to say that I would prevent my daughter from participating in their stuff, but it was just like, I'm personally going to step back and I'm just going to watch how things unfold. I'm not going to volunteer my energy anymore. So I'm telling you this because the pandemic hit and suddenly we were in isolation. <laughs> and right. it was just like, holy shit, what did I do? Like, I basically eliminated a whole source of quote unquote support from my life. Um, so that was pretty scary. But I, um, anyway, I felt like that needed to happen. So I was, I was awake to something. I don't, I didn't know what it was, but that, that part needed to come out and it did when it did. And maybe it was for the best now that I know how it all unfolded looking in hindsight. Um, so I feel, I feel like I picked up really quickly what was going on in the macro because of what was going on in my macro, right? It was kind of like, this whole thing, like we're all in this together. Let's just uh, shut everything down for a few weeks and um, we'll just make sure that uh, everyone is safe. And then I remember, like I can go back to the podcast that I started in 2020 as well. The first episode was uh, August of 2020, but I had already been recording some things. It just that that's when I actually launched it. So I was already recording things like, I know this is not temporary. I know that there's a lot of lies right now. They've never shut down the world before for a virus. Like the entire economy is collapsing. Like I knew all of this from the beginning. It was so clear. But it was like that that whole thing where I was like, I know, I know the truth. And I want to share it with everybody. Everyone's listening. You know, like it feels this very, like very surreal, like, I'm shouting, but I can't be heard. And it was like this parallel to my whole life leading up to that moment. I'm like, I've always been that girl who, for some reason, I like my voice doesn't matter. Like, no one wants to hear what I have to say. And mm. I am not one to lie. Like, here's the thing, right? Like, I would never, um, I can't manipulate the truth. I can't, for the life of me, like, it just doesn't sit well. It's something I'm going to have to live with and back in 2020 I was still like I said in the yoga and kind of Reiki world so I probably believed in karma but like I was just I can't you know I can't lie so everything I'm speaking is is the truth and it's like this burning desire to like just like let's uncover the 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 whys like what's happening here there's more to it so I was I was awake you know it wasn't it wasn't like it took time or something it was like crystal clear from the beginning but I had to deal with a lot of gaslighting. So it was kind of like, okay, how do we proceed then? Like, I'm just going to be called crazy until when? Like, until people start to awaken or what? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like so many people who have 
suffered abuse either in parental or familial circumstance or like with a spouse, they were the ones to really like catch on to things very quickly. Um, just for context for people listening, like Sylvie and I met in the same chat group that Jules belongs to. So Jules, who we've had on before, um, who's another like narcissistic abuse survivor. Um, so lady. Yeah. yeah, amazing lady. Um, so it's funny just, you know, how your experience in your personal life really with gaslighting specifically. Yeah. Right. Really less like just made your spidey senses go off in 2020. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The empty promises as well. That was also coming up to the surface. Like a lot of this, you know, don't worry. It's just temporary. And, the, um, you know, we're going to give you money to stay home. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay. What's the catch, though? What's the catch? Well, we'll look, at our, look at our economy now and how screwed up yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you know what's funny? Well, no, it's, it's not funny, but like. I've even said this on my own show a while ago when I first came, when I first started, and I was talking about, like, even this whole situation. I was saying there's no, if there's a supermarket not too far from me, and, you know, it's brick buildings. It's like a, you know, a big area where there's a whole bunch of stores. I said if they're drilling fucking signs into brick fucking walls about COVID, this is not ending anytime soon. If they're literally drilling shit into brick walls to put up signs, this is going to be a while. Because yeah, they're not going to go sure. through that. Yeah, the whole plexiglass thing. I remember how surreal it was to go to the grocery store uh, after, like, believing in that whole isolation thing. I really did. For the first week, I was like, okay, well, that makes sense, right? Let's just stay home. And if viruses spread the way that we're told they spread, that's another thing. <laughs> but, like... Um, well, maybe it makes sense to just like keep it to yourself and just stay healthy and take your supplements. I, I believed in that, but you know, um, but yeah, you go out for the first time and you see that shit, you're like, that's not coming off. And then the circles on the ground, like those yeah. you know, stickers. Oh, yes, when the stuff in the supermarkets, I was that's yeah. all stuff that I was just like, yo, this, this is you don't, you're not going to go through all this for two weeks. No, no. you're not. Right? You're not going to start like putting stuff on the floors like that. Like every aisle had arrows showing you. They literally wanted people to zigzag. I remember that it was like a maze. You know, you had to follow this <laughs> yeah. certain pattern around. Like outside, I, I remember this. I took video somewhere. I'll have to go through my archives to like remember. Like we forget, right? How mm -hmm. insane it was and what we've gone through over the past two and a half years. That's another thing they're counting on. I'm going to say that. Like they're Absolutely. counting on us forgetting. Um, anyway, yeah, it's just like, of course that wasn't going to be temporary. You know, it was so obvious. Absolutely. And then, Sylvie, like, I know your experience, like, battling breast cancer. Did that um, affect, like, how you saw things in terms of health perspective with the virus? A hundred percent. My first podcast episode, I called it... Um, the new normal and basically I was saying say no to the new normal um, and I go into a little bit of that I felt like that really informed where I was at I was like wait a second so people are so afraid right now they're afraid to live and they have this fear of dying and I don't really have that I mean I, I don't want to die that's not you know where I'm headed with this but I just really felt like okay so everyone's just gonna do nothing for how long and like stop doing everything that brings them joy and stop seeing their family and friends and i'm like 
I, I studied nutrition and health. Um, there's such a thing called the determinants of health, and that involves the, the social aspect, the, well, the economic aspect as well. Like, how do you thrive in this world? It's not in isolation. That's for sure. Like, we need other humans. And so the breast cancer piece was really more to do with, like, I knew what it was that I required in order to thrive through that. And here we were doing the complete opposite. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And when we were not allowed to talk about taking supplements to boost your immune system, my gosh, I posted something on Facebook. Um, and that was probably the last time I posted to Facebook in <laughs> to say something about the position of the dietitians of Canada. At that point, they said, there's nothing you can do to support your immune system. And they really like, said that? Yeah, they, they basically said, like, don't go off and take supplements um, thinking that this is going to help you. And, um, and like, you should, you should have seen, like, the, the people that came out of the woodwork. Of course, it's never people that I interact with on a daily basis. Mm. They just came to um, discredit that, uh, my statement about that. I said, well, I studied nutrition. This is my... Uh, alma mater like I could have become a dietitian I chose not to there's a lot of reasons for that but you know this is what they're saying that there's nothing you can do I don't really understand why we're going in that direction yes you can eat um, healthier foods you can you know limit sugar intake you can support your immune system in a lot of different ways go out in the sun we were told not to go outside what the heck not to exercise the gyms were all closed. this, this is, doesn't this yeah. is, and I, when I say this and I have to stress again, I'm not blaming the people themselves. I'm blaming the country that they came from. That's the problem. But from my experience in New York, years before this problem happened with this pandemic, we already had people walking around with masks on and with umbrellas because they're afraid of the sun and they're afraid to breathe the air. They're coming oh from another country. We have some of those. We had Toronto, tons yes. of them here. So when this happened, it wasn't that much of a shock. You know, and I think, like, honestly, I hate to say it, I think it's like you've already been indoctrinated to what we just did now. And you're, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they've already gone yeah. through this shit. And they're coming think, over. And now it's happening here. I think they had to really, like, break the Western North American psyche and, like, normalize that because it's not, like, normal in our culture at all. Like, I can recall just, you know, not that many years back, people... Uh, shocked when they see like Muslim women's faces covered, you know, with their burqas, and they're just like, "That's that's terrible. That's disgusting. How could you? How could you have that and normalize that?" But yet they're happily put on two masks, you know, yeah, if I, it meant I, if it meant protecting their life. Like, I don't know. It's just a. It was such a mind trip, the whole thing, and um, yeah, just like really, I felt like it was like breaking our psyche. Like that's what they were trying to do. I, I remember you know? like like five or six years ago when I moved out to Queens. Now, this is another thing. I was out in Long Island for most of my life. I moved out to Queens. And like I think it's like a, a few days after moving out here, I remember even like texting my wife. I'm like, yo, is there something up with the fucking medical masks? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, is like what's up? Why why am I seeing tons of people walking around? With surgical masks on. I was wow, like, was that much, eh? No, yeah, no, it's, I'm being legit. I, I'm not overreacting. Oh, I'm not nothing. In Queens, especially flushing. Mm. You have for years had people wearing masks 
and kids already wearing like fucking Pokemon or some Japanimation or some bullshit <laughs> fucking Hello Kitty. Ma- Hello Kitty masks already walking around as a stylish thing. Yeah. So like when COVID hit, I was like, yo, wait, this isn't people going along with it already because they're already been exposed to this shit. Mm-hmm. I was just like, well, yo, this just all seems real, really coincidental, especially when you start seeing where the virus supposedly came from and the people wearing the masks. What the fuck's going on? Yeah, actually, there was a trend on TikTok, and my daughter um, brought that up. She's like, you know, I remember seeing that mask filter like ages before the pandemic hit, and it was like yeah. this stylish thing, like for the kids to play around with. And where does TikTok come from? Well, it's not North America, so like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they had those filters on TikTok and Snapchat oh, right. for a, Snapchat at least too. a year prior, Yeah, I would say. And then also, too, um, like because I teach Zumba, I pay attention to a lot of Latin music. And I was seeing a lot in like reggaeton music videos. Like now looking back, I'm just like, oh, wow. They were like already normalizing it as like a fashionable, cool thing. To like have your face covered. You know how many like yeah like um I, I mean I guess I can't say not well known but like all right I was big into the rave scene back in the day, so I still follow yeah. some DJs and stuff like that. But like I even noticed like talking about now with the masks, even a few years ago back in the you know a couple of years before all this happened, you would have a lot of dudes that I saw that like that might be doing like some like real quick DJ mix or something on on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter. They got a fucking mask on while they're doing it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've already seen this shit. Yeah, there's Way uh, before de- it fucking Dead happened. Mouse, Dead the, Canadian, yeah. the Canadian DJ Dead Mouse, or Dead Mouse 5, however you want to say it. Oh, yeah. He wears the, the mouse head for years. And then also Sick Kick, he's another one, very popular on social media. He wears a, literally a serpent mask. It's a bedazzled, jeweled out. Like, yeah, and he's been wearing that the whole time. He, I don't think he's ever shown his face. And DJ Snake sometimes, I think, does Well, I don't think too. Daft Punk has ever shown their face either. Maybe they Oh, yeah, Daft have. Punk too. But, like, right. I actually meant, like, legit, like, I would see guys who were, like, making, like, a quick, like, mix of stump- something with, like, literally, like, this stylish face mask on. Not, like, a whole mask. Right, you know, Like, yeah. you'd see that or you'd see, like, a, like, a glowing mask. But, like, you had people already, like, with the masks as stylish Shit. Well, and maybe, okay, so Sylvie and I both also, like, we're into the rave scene, but also, like, okay, so government was a huge oh, yeah. nightclub in Toronto, and, like, depending what room you were in, not to say, there's a, a large Asian population into raving, and a lot of them would be in there with masks on, now that I think about it. Wow, that's so interesting. I actually, I worked there for a very short You time. worked there? Oh, come on, girl. <laughs> Shit, what did you do? I was a bartender. I, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you have stories upon stories oh, yeah. from there. Sure. It wasn't for very long. I, I couldn't do it. So. <laughs> it's a big place, honestly. I, I don't even know how they organize the staff there because it's friggin' massive. Barely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so I wanted to ask you, too, Sylvie, um, when you were talking about, like, being aware to things, like, very quickly and, like, almost, like, being faced with your mortality, yeah. is that maybe something that came out of your, like facing cancer, yeah. you know, like you were forced to face your mortality more than maybe the average person would think about their own, For right? Sure. So I think maybe did like, oh, did that already overcome that fear for you? Yeah, I, I think that's part of it, definitely. Um, 
that's a big one, right? Uh, I yeah, going through cancer was a huge like spiritual journey for me. Honestly, mm-hmm. that's that's what it did. Um, it put things into such a perspective that like I think to this day it really um, colors or informs every decision I make, including like what type of, of work I want to do. I'm I'm not saying that I'm a, a lazy person. Sometimes I question that like am I lazy for not wanting to do this thing? But no, it's more to do with like (laughs) a a morality issue. It's more like I just don't want to, um, it's to do with time, especially like how do I want to spend my time? What are my priorities in life? Like I'm a mom. That's my number one goal is to be around for my kids. So um, when it comes to like experimenting with like um, medicine and things like that, I am not going to do that because I'm a mother, you know, so I'm probably going to consider uh, a lot of options before I put something into my body. So I don't know, I'm being a little cryptic, but people can read through the lines, um, you know, because uh, I think that being around as a mother is more important than um, preserving my life in, in a, a moment that, you know, like we just don't know how long we're, we're here. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not totally. going to. Yeah. Well, and even yeah. like when they're telling us, you know, don't go outside, don't exercise, don't this, don't that. I mean, I would think in your shoes, you'd be like, we, if we only have a limited time, like, let's live it, you know? That's what I, yeah, I'm like, well, these are important things that I know can contribute to good health. So I'm going to find ways to continue doing that uh, without putting anyone else in harm's way, obviously, because that was also something I've, I've always been, we've always been considerate people, like Canadians, especially, um, I mean, so considerate. North America, right? like, like, you know, but now it's like overboard. It's, it doesn't even make sense. Um, anyway. Yeah. So for sure, the cancer piece, like the, um, the short life that we have, I was just very acutely aware of that. And, um, yeah, it just really it puts things into such a way that it's like, okay, what's important. This is, it doesn't make sense to live this way. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Definitely- well, how did um, how did going through the cancer battle like impact your spiritual views? Uh, well, okay. So here's this is maybe a longer story. I don't know, but um, when I was going through the cancer um, piece, uh, that was 2011. So at that time, I was still kind of um, dabbling in different areas i hadn't gone through a reiki training yet but i was aware of reiki um i was doing yoga the first thing i remember doing because it was such a like flash of like oh my gosh we're not here forever and uh, i don't know why i got cancer i'm already a healthy person how did this happen you know so there were a lot of questions i had that couldn't be answered by the traditional like oh well you know it would have been way easier if I was a smoker or someone who ate unhealthy at the time or someone who had really terrible health habits. It wasn't that. So it was something else. Anyway, I ended up going to a Buddhist temple and I was like, I think maybe this is the answer. You know, like I was sort of aligning, like I said, with the yoga world and that seemed to be something I wanted to learn more about. I remember feeling peace um, and being like, okay, this is, this is helpful. But um, I've always believed in, a, a greater power for a long time. I called it the universe. <laughs> I couldn't quite come to terms with calling it God. Um, now I'm, I'm in a different place right now. And I, I do believe in, in God. That's what I call the higher power. Um, 
but yeah, back then I was still kind of figuring it out. And I, I don't know, it was, it was not like I left that world and I stopped believing because I know that can happen too. When you get um, a serious life changing diagnosis or like an accident, something that you can't explain, there is a tendency also to just be like, fuck this. Like, sorry, can I swear? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah you can say whatever oh, you want. I don't feel to myself, please. <laughs> But yeah, um, you know, I, I had my moments, don't get me wrong, where I was just like, okay, I give up. Like, what the heck is going on? Like, what is this? I don't get it. Like, why is this happening to me? And, um, you know, you live there for a little bit, and then you start digging and asking questions. You start to rebuild your, you know, like, there's a spirit inside of you. You know, it doesn't want to die. Like, there's something, there's something bigger. We're not just this physical body. So, um, sorry, I don't know where I was going to go with this, but I just... <laughs> Um, yeah, the spiritual component just was always there. Um, it just evolved. It's not, I'm not in the same place as I was back then. I think that I believed more in like the magical thinking back then. Like, you know, if you just think positive that everything is going to be okay. And I'm sorry, I'm laughing, but, um, I don't really align with that anymore. It doesn't work. Um, I, I put a lot of faith in this kind of like, uh, yeah, just like incantation, or I don't even know, like you can call them incantations, I think, right? It's just like, mm-hmm. okay, let's repeat these mantras and let's see if that can manifest, you know, the things I desire in my world. Um, yeah, I just came back to this very deep place of uh, surrender. I got there eventually where I was like, okay, I don't think that I can overcome this with just my own thoughts and beliefs. I don't think that it's um, something magical. I think that there is a bigger um, power at play that has a purpose for me, and I don't know what it is exactly, but if I keep fighting against it, then I don't think I'm going to get through this um, in a more, in a humble way, or uh, like I, I feel like I'm going to be um, missing out on some of the lessons possibly that need to be learned. So um, that that was revisited again for sure that's what came through again during the the 2020 like march period i was like okay we have to surrender this is like we don't have full control of what is happening there's a, a bigger like agenda at play that's what it felt like anyway yeah absolutely it's funny cuz uh i think you and i have kind of been on a similar spiritual journey like mm-hmm. our life uh i mean i didn't go through cancer yet <laughs> hopefully never but um you know i we both like were in the yoga world kind of like new agey type stuff and then i i personally like went through a whole spin around and come back to like where i was in a more traditional like understanding of spirituality which i i just find it hilarious like god has a big sense of humor when i think about it Cause I'm just like, wow, like you literally took me through all these different avenues only to just come back to like that. My parents were right the whole oh, time. Totally. Yes. Don't you I, hate I, that? I hate that. But with a better understanding and reasoning behind it, like I'm just the kind of person that I have to understand why you can't just tell me to like, say this, stand up, sit down. You know, I need to understand the reasoning behind it or I can't get behind it. Yeah, I had that experience in yoga too. I remember uh, they, you know, t- teacher training. They were telling us to chant some stuff, and 
I remember being the only one that was silent. I'm like, I don't know what I'm saying. Right. And yeah. why is feeling so much like church where, you know, they make you just sing and recite things that maybe are not in English and like, shouldn't you know what you're saying? I kind of knew the power of words and I like incantations and spells already. And I'm like, what if I'm summoning a demon right now? I don't really want to be participating in that. So you really don't know. It's, yeah. it's interesting. And I funny during my teacher training, we had to like present a topic. I forget what it was. I think it was just to like practice like public speaking, like standing in front of a room and like talking. So we could talk about anything we wanted for like 10 or 15 minutes. I forget what it was. And I chose, I don't know why, I chose to speak about uh, Medjugorje, which you know what that is. And yeah. knows what that is because I talked about it a bunch with him on another episode. But yeah, like where like the Virgin Mary was appearing and like apparitions. I thought that's cool shit. Like, let's talk about that. That's awesome. And the, re- the reception that I got was not positive like among that group they were all like what's this like they just uh it's funny because people talk about being spiritual and being accepting of others and you know being all enlightened and shit but then when they hear names of certain religions or certain keywords their like brain just like pops off you know (laughs) yeah the brain pops off like they can't they can't like get their head around it they just think like oh that's like fairy tales or like this is stupid or whatever (laughs) i thought for sure amongst that group of like spiritually aware people they'd at least be like intrigued or think that it's interesting you know but it was the exact opposite so i don't know if you found that in the yoga world or in like ny in the oto i think you've said that before where like jesus is frowned upon (laughs) no jesus talk It's not allowed. I never heard the name Jesus in my yoga training. No, but like if you were to talk about a more Christian view of things, it would be frowned upon is my experience in that world. I could totally see that for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't remember having conversations about uh, Christianity while I was going through teacher training because that was still uh 2013-ish so I hadn't reached that point yet so I was still okay with like the the new age stuff I just wasn't okay with um like the Sanskrit Um, yeah and uh, but I do remember a closed-mindedness in the yoga training uh maybe it's just the the location that like the studio I chose who knows did you do it in Toronto no it was in Oakville oh okay um close enough but uh, maybe that was what, what the difference was, too. Who knows? I remember I baked, uh, like, a vegan cake, uh, raw vegan, actually. And I was like, oh, my God, these are my people. I'm going to bring this cake, and everyone's going to love it. No, no, I brought it, and everyone looked at it like it was this strange, monstrous concoction. No one wanted to touch it. What? Like, like, what is this? No, so I was basically in a group of people that were so, like, mainstream, conventional, um, and new to the, uh, the yoga world and the, uh, the woo-woo side of things. So it was interesting in that way because they were so like eager to learn about yoga, but kind of like nothing else. I could see that if I had ever brought up anything to do with Christianity, I'm sure that wouldn't have gone anywhere either, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a uh, different kind of trainings that we did, but like in mine, we had uh... – like a Buddhist monk teach us and uh, oh, a whole bunch of, yeah, it was like very, very in-depth, I would say. 
for yeah, that like you, one you month intensive. That too, but it's the yeah. spiritual component wasn't well received in my oh, group. Yeah, interesting. Really, really interesting. I loved it personally, and um, it seemed like it wasn't unanimous. <laughs> That's wild. So I think there's a resistance just in the collective, right? To anything um, like a belief in a greater power, right? That's, I, I kind of think that that's at the root of this whole, like trying to preserve your physical body, doing everything you can to preserve this life here on this planet, right? Because um, there's nothing beyond, or that's their belief, it seems. Right? Yeah, well, if, after. Yeah. if you don't believe in anything after, you know, of course you would try to preserve your physical body here as long as possible. Yeah, right? your life, your lifestyle, like everything you worked so hard to achieve. And a lot of people do have that belief that it's because of hard work that they've gotten to where they've gotten. Um, I mean, in some cases that can be true, but I don't think it's a universal truth at all. Like from personal experience, I'm just going to say it didn't work. I'm not where I thought it would be. Um, despite hard work and despite like all the, you know, like you do all these trainings, you do all these, like you, you take, yeah, courses and you um, spend time and energy trying to advance in society the way you're told and you just don't, you don't get there. So what is that? Again, like this, this deeper question, like why, why isn't it working for me? Well, I don't know. For me now, I realized it's because God has a different plan and, that is, that's just what it is. You know, like sometimes you got to just accept that. Uh, and I'm coming to that place. It's hard. Like I'm freaking human, but you know, it's, oh man, like the resistance for people to go back to their roots as well, I find is interesting. Like where our parents knew some, some of these deep truths, what you were saying, Teresa, mm. your parents were right. Yeah. My parents were right too. <laughs> I was raised Catholic, right? And I fell away from the faith. And um, like most adolescents, I started to kind of, well, question, question things and just go the ways of the world and be seduced by all these like flashy things. I moved away from a, a smaller city and came to the big city, Toronto, and, you know, wanted to just find out things for myself. So I think much like you, I don't really learn very well by just being told what to say what to do <laughs> I need to experience things the hard way so yeah but it all brought me back just everything the cancer the pandemic it brought me back to seeking deep deep truth and um and where I'm at right now is just realizing that there are definitely truths in um in Christianity and that's that's hard to say out loud. Like, I don't think I've ever spoken this out loud publicly. So now this is on podcast and it's kind of like, I can't hide. I'm, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not hiding anymore. What I said at the beginning, um, I'm all about seeking truth and speaking truth as well. So this is it, you know, and um, I know part of being a Christian involves um, persecution as well for your beliefs. So I am, um, I'm open to that. So I'm going to continue to find a way to, you know, speak and try to be heard. But that's not my intention. If it's God's will, then I will be heard. But if not, then, you know, um, I'll just continue to live seeking this way of, um, of deep surrender and, again, truth, right? Mm -hmm. oh, 
So yeah. Like, yeah, it's not easy to come to that, honestly. I, I no, think I went through this, a similar thing. Um, and like you said, I think it all comes down to like a place of very deep surrender. Really, it does. Yeah. And I'm sure that also affected like your work as an actress. Definitely. There's so much that um, I just will never agree to doing um, because it's it goes against my my value system and so it's a little bit limiting in that way, but not. You know what I would love is um, I heard about this uh, this service. I guess it's it's called Pure Flix. It's kind of like Netflix, yeah. but it's Christian content. So I'm like, where do I they cast for that? Yeah, how do I get, get in on, on Pure Flix? Yeah, so, yeah. You got to try, like, try the Hallmark Channel. The Hallmark Channel. I, I have heard some, <laughs> some terrible things about that. Actually, I, I, well, I was going to say, I don't know if it's religious, but it always has like such a, you know, you know, fucking fake, fucking perfect world. Well, you know? I, that was one of my goals is to get on a Hallmark um, show and just like, you know, play that. I mean, that's really, to be honest with you, the roles that I've landed up until today, I mean, I haven't worked as an actor now in two years, but um, yeah, mostly wholesome mom in the kitchen baking cookies with her kids. You're like, that's actually what I do in my I was going to say, I can see you doing that, though. 100%, yeah. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. Um, What was I going to say? Okay, so I know that you took it upon yourself to leave Toronto for a while. Oh, yes. Yeah, you moved away. (laughs) And what what was that about? Where did you go off to and why did you leave? And why did you come back? What? Yeah, I know. Okay, so this is a good one, right? Mm. I I don't know. Like the calling to uh, well to leave Toronto was pretty strong. I mean, I think a lot of us were probably feeling it. Probably still are. Like, what is going on in the city? I don't think it's just the city, but like Canada in general right now is just really unrecognizable. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it gets it gets to a point where um, like that isolation and all those restrictions they were so. I don't know, like, what, what, what was it that was keeping me in the city anymore? I was really questioning that. Everything was online. My daughter wasn't able to go to school in person, and she was in a, a dance program, and that was the whole reason for being there. So, like, we're not doing any of those things. I'm not able to act. I can barely teach um, clients. I, I was still seeing clients, but now it all turned to virtual, and I'm like, okay, could we just go somewhere else in the world? Like, what would be possible right now? And we started to think about it, like, I don't know, uh, I'm going to say, like, November 2020-ish. But, like, it was this fantastical idea. Like, maybe we could go to Mexico. (laughs) It was just, like, this funny thing. We wrote Mexico on this, like, whiteboard for fun. And then we kind of left it. We're like, okay, that's not going to happen. I don't make any money right now. I lost pretty much all my sources of income. I relied on some of that government stuff and it was just like, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, oh yeah. And all the flights were closed. Like we couldn't get out of Canada to go to a sunny destination at that time. Right. That was going on for a while. Yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So then what happened is that I just remember, I don't think I had reached this point of becoming like a true Christian yet. I was still kind of in the magical thinking world. I put it out to the universe and I'm like, I just need $10,000. And then somehow, I don't know how, but anyway, um, one of those government grants came up 
and it was ten thousand dollars and i applied and i got it and for a small business um so they did uh they did that they they provided small businesses that had suffered from the pandemic some losses and whatever some people were granted this money some were not and i happened to qualify i guess at that point i hope they don't ever come back to claw it back for <laughs> right yeah <laughs> come back to get it or uh yeah, do it in your taxes it's gone it's gone it's gone yeah okay so uh, we were at the point though where we we were making um some serious changes where we needed to I could no longer afford the apartment we were living in. Um, like I said, my sources of income had all changed. I had to find new ways or like something, reduce my costs. That's what I was going after. Um, and then when this money came in, I started to kind of daydream a little bit more. I'm like, well, what if we just like ended our lease and um, got out of the country and went somewhere where it would be more affordable to live? And yeah, we started to look into Mexico Specifically, I'm not going to say where I went, though, just because mm -hmm. if I end up going back again. I'd like to <laughs> kind of keep it anonymous, but you know where I went, Teresa. Yeah. Um, a friend of ours uh, was, was living out there, and he had moved from Canada um, probably seven years prior, and he kept speaking so highly of where he lived and how there was a, like a deep spiritual connection there, a large spiritual community, and He's on our, our side, awake and everything. He was one of my sources of support. Actually, we did uh, some podcast episodes together. He also has one. Nice. Good guy. Um, so shout out to Eric, <laughs> the mind surfer, if you ever want to find him. on. Oh, cool. Nice. But anyway, yeah, we, we just uh, we did some research and then it kind of all started to fall into place in this weird, magical way. Um, uh magical right but it wasn't magic it was actually definitely god's will for some reason for us to get out and i i'm going to say this like one of the reasons why i felt so strongly that we needed to exit the country or maybe not the country per se that was that was kind of like we didn't think that was possible like i said it was more to to um, regain control or regain some um, independence over our our life and our decisions. So this whole breaking away from the fam family dynamic that I was speaking about, it had to do with this too. So I had um, my ex-mother-in-law co-sign on the lease I was on. It was actually quite difficult to even come out of the lease and end it. They wanted her permission. It was so weird. I'm like, I'm a 42-year-old adult. Why do I need permission from this other person who never paid my rent? I'm always, you know, so all this stuff, it was, it was to do with like finding independence in our life again, regaining some, some like dignity as well. And, um, doing something that I probably would have never done in my life. Um, at any other point, I didn't know if I would ever get the opportunity again to have kind of like no ties anymore mm. and to just be sort of free. So that freedom I was seeking wasn't wasn't necessarily like the freedom from all the restrictions and all that stuff. Like, yes, we were looking for that, but I did know like, this is worldwide. We're not going to escape everything. There's still going to be restrictions wherever we end up. It had more to do with like finding that sense of, yeah, like who, who we are just as a, a family unit, my daughter and I. And um, yeah, so we left and we went to Mexico for a year. <laughs> the flights opened up. Um, again, I want to say like magically in June, suddenly, uh, June of 2021, um, 
we picked a flight that was on a Saturday and uh, it's it was really weird. The flights opened up for that whole month and then they ended up shutting down all the flights that were on weekdays and kept only the weekend ones. So ours remained. So many things happened like that where I was like, oh, do we go? Oh my God, can't, like, are we staying? Like, are we going to be stuck? Like, what's going to happen? And yeah, we, we went for a year. We told ourselves it was going to be six months to a year. And it almost happened to the day, a year. And we returned oh, wow. June 2022. Um, yeah, a lot of reasons brought us back. Like things did um, shut down a bunch of times in 2021 and like open, close, whatever. It was never like a good time to go back. The six month mark was really challenging around Christmas. Like there was another lockdown in January and just like, it was not pretty with like the, the truckers and everything. And yeah. So I'm glad we waited till when we did. And then we just, we found our way back, but that, that wasn't easy either. <laughs> Financially, basically it ended up being the reason why we came back. Also for my daughter, we had a beautiful experience. Don't get me wrong. Like we loved our whole year in Mexico. It was like incredible. I, I try not to think about it too much because it does bring me to tears. I'm like, ah, you know, could we, would it have, been perfect to live there forever no but we had a different life and it was simpler in a lot of ways mm-hmm. now we've come back and we have to like reintegrate into society um my daughter wanted to go back to school she wanted to dance again um we needed to do some like dumb like mundane things like will we ever be free i don't know like we we need a passport to travel hers was expiring so coming back to canada made sense i know you can do it from abroad you're just paying a lot more money I started to run out of money, so <laughs> to come back made more sense as well, just because uh, I'm allowed to work here. I'm not allowed to work in Mexico. Um, so would we go back? I I would love to, for sure. If um, Well, you should have just did what they do when they come over here, just work off the books. What's that? <laughs> just do what they do when they come over here from Mexico, work off the books. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I mean, it's a big world. Yeah, it, totally. <laughs> Being I, I legal don't... doesn't stop them. <laughs> exactly. I Reverse mean, illegal. <laughs> just sometimes time is of the essence. And yeah, I'm, just, I'm just joking. Time anyway. for me to, to set that up or to find the right connection. Mm-hmm. So um, if I'm able to do that from here, like remote work, as they say, I don't know how like possible that is. Like this. Um, a lot of talk of people just like doing online jobs. I don't know. Anyway, oh, yeah, I, don't I never even. Th- yeah, I wonder how that would work. Like, if you well, had an online job and you moved to Mexico, I mean, like, how would they? They like basically this whole thing. I, I guess if you declare taxes in your home country, you're fine. Um, mm. So you can work remotely. They- <laughs> as long as you pay somebody something, you can do. <laughs> That's what it is. That's exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's you can funny. Really work in Mexico as a foreigner, unless you get a, a worker permit, and you can, but the wages are really low and it's not not ideal. Yeah, so you really need to get work from your home country if you're coming from, like North America or Europe, and then, um, then you can live there. <laughs> it's not right. Yeah. yeah, it's funny because I think uh, such a theme of what you're saying is like sovereignty. Yeah. And like reclaiming like your sovereignty, like from your ex's family, um, you know, but then also like from all the mandates that were going on here and sure. just how like how life really shifted here. I think a lot of us felt that way where we wanted to just like break out and like reclaim our freedom, but like not even not even on the on the macrocosm level. It's like in the microcosm 
Like a lot of people's like marriages are in turmoil. A lot of relationships are in turmoil. And I think it's just, it's such a, a theme, you know, like really to like reclaim like your own life. That's what I hear from actually a lot of people who've come on this podcast, it seems, right? I think it has affected everyone on that level at some point during mm-hmm. the past two and a half years, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think I have any of the same friends really <laughs> that I did at the beginning of 2020. Um, and it's, it's one of those things too where I kind of knew at some point that a lot of these friendships were not going to be long-term, but it mm. took something like the pandemic and um all the truths that were being revealed to really like sift people apart you know like oh yeah it's so wild like um yeah my ex-family like we're not we're not on the same team like that that would have helped maybe to mend things at a certain point but they're completely can I say like I don't want to speak evil, speak speak badly of these people, nothing like that. They're brainwashed. Like they they bought into everything and uh, it makes it a lot harder to relate. So, um, so yeah, like finding our own way, we really needed to do it on so many levels. And uh, it was, it was really powerful on a personal um, journey quest kind of thing, for sure. Like it's something, even as a, as a woman that I don't think have had that kind of freedom to make decisions on my own in a very long time, like maybe ever, you know, and it, it was just really important. I, I wanted to be a role model for my daughter as well and not just be like a doormat the rest of my life and just show her what's possible. I think of all things, one of the reasons our trip was so good for the soul was just that she was able to see through her own eyes what was going on elsewhere and you know immerse herself in a new culture and a new environment I have to like adapt it wasn't it wasn't like North America at all right similarities of course there were some comforts that were present like we didn't live remotely like in the middle of nowhere anything like that we still right. had access to you know amenities and things but um yeah she got to oh we got a gym membership that was actually really cool like I remember time. seeing some of your stories at the gym, yeah. and I was like, the gym here is closed. I'm so jealous. <laughs> exactly. And we got, got the opportunity to go together. And oh, mask-free, cool. they never had us wear masks there, and it was so nice. There were still mask requirements, though. Don't get me wrong. Like, that never ended in Mexico. They're still promoting usage of masks to go in stores and um I, I do think it did end temporarily. I think it's back. You know, it's one of those, like, it's revolving. Yeah. <laughs> so we were never totally free from all of that stuff, but it felt a little bit more, um, like, we had more possibilities to experience life in a meaningful way by having left. And, um, yeah, now we've come back, and we, uh, we have this whole thing about reintegrating into society. I just... I laugh now because I'm like, oh, okay, what is the purpose now? Like, I, I really have no desire to to hustle and grind. Like, is that what we are coming back to? Is that what, you know, it, I just mm-hmm. see it so clearly that people went right back to the way things were before 2020, which is what led society to be so, like, sick and twisted and, like, no care for, I don't know, even their health, right? They're just, like going out partying and 
working to the bone and just like glorifying this whole like a lavish lifestyle. I don't know. Like I just want to live simply. We had like five t-shirts each and five pairs of shorts each. That's it for a whole year. And we were happy. Didn't need to go shopping, nothing. Yeah, there's only like basically one weather pattern that you have to watch. That's true, right? One season. (laughs) It's hot (laughs) and then it gets stormy, but that's about it, right? So other than that, yeah, just like life was more simple in Mexico, but um, we couldn't sustain it, so we're back. (laughs) I hear you. How do you think that um, being back or like the pandemic in general affected your daughter? Because I have little children. I don't have a teenager, so yeah, her I don't experience know. was different uh, for sure. Like she experienced a lot of friendship changes, friendship losses as well. Like things shifted dramatically. Um, what she noticed for leaving a year and coming back is that a lot of the friends that she did end up like making good friendships with before leaving is um, they, like almost all of them got into drugs and alcohol over the oh, past wow. year. Um so what happened to the kids who stayed here is devastating. And I was able to, it seems, almost shelter her from from that by leaving. It's interesting to see that only one year's time caused so much havoc. Like you can see, uh, it's just, yeah. I, How old is she again? She's 16. Yeah. Mm. That's interesting. So, yeah feelings right now about being back in school she was so wanting to go back like had all these dreams about you know what it was going to be like and it's really like she's finding out firsthand that it's really not what she thought it was going to be which is okay because again maybe she's like me and she she has to learn things the hard way like you know live through it not just hear about it so I did warn her about a few things I'm like look you know when we go back we're just going to have to be really mindful of like how we speak about our experience. And um, like, I don't want to make people feel jealous either. Cause it's like the grass is always greener. Like it wasn't uh, this beautiful, magical journey the whole way through. Like we had our challenges when we were in Mexico, can't even begin. Um, but yeah, just, it's interesting, like parallel universe here. Almost. It's very, very wild to be back and to live in it it almost feels like um like I'm a spy almost like I don't quite fit in I don't really know where I'm gonna end up like I've had um the opportunity to land a few different jobs thank goodness um right from the get-go but I'm already on the third one um kind kind of by choice but not really like the others just didn't work (laughs) and one of them I'm not even sure if it still exists but that's another story so I'm in this new role now and I'm questioning everything about it like wow they're just uh the requirements it's just like it's just this lifestyle that I don't believe in and I'm finding myself in that role (laughs) like what is happening yeah I find that too like I don't know if it's just Canada but I feel like a lot of the time just to exist in mainstream society you do have to like pretend a lot of the time like so I sent my young kids back to public school this year they were out of school for two years and then like I have to like prepare them like please don't say like this or that at school because I don't want you to like offend people like like my younger one who's seven he will say stuff like masks are dumb like he'll tell you straight up to your face he doesn't give give a shit (laughs) 
Yo, if he says that enough in school, you'll be getting a phone call and being like, your son's uh, spreading propaganda. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) They're going to label us like, you know, conspiracy theorists or whatever. There's a couple people from the school that follow me on social media. So, like, they already know, you know. But, I mean, and of course, he ends up with, like, one of the only teachers who wears an N95. You know? I'm just like, oh, my God. I'm like, please don't say anything. Or, um... My older one, he noticed um, a change in the national anthem when he came back to school because he hadn't been in for so long. And now he said every morning they sing the national anthem and then they do an indigenous land acknowledgement. Every day. Every day. And I was like, pardonnez-moi. I'm like, what is that? And he like explained it to me. And he's like, yeah, you know, like they want us to learn about this. And I was like, oh, my God, my kids are like way too based for public school. No, like, there's something else. So I'm just like, just keep quiet. Just don't say anything. Yeah. I'm like, if anything at school makes you uncomfortable, just tell me first. Like, just don't say anything to the teacher. <laughs> but I feel bad to, like, you know, have to tell them to, like, be quiet. Like, shut up and be quiet. Or you're yeah. going to be, like, found out, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it feels like this whole weird, like, underground thing. Like I said, like a spy. My daughter does feel like that, too. Actually, yeah. she was in a, she's in this, like, a, introduction to anthropology sociology psychology class and uh she was just playing some of the the video footage that they were watching in class for me last night and we were talking about it they talked about ethics um and they went through the whole thing about like nuremberg code and what's required in a in a trial like that people informed and i'm and she she goes to me mom like i wanted to say something but i couldn't and i'm like was anyone kind of like drawing parallels to yeah. anything happening in the world right now? Or no. like, were they, no, they were just completely unaware. That's funny. It's the same thing. Um, uh, my older one brought home, he's starting social studies in grade five. And it was, uh, he has a quiz today actually on the levels of government. So like federal, provincial, municipal. And I was looking in like the, his worksheet real quick in the federal one. And it said something about like, um, right to uh, free speech, mobility rights, uh, informed consent, like all this stuff. And I was just like, well, it's right there in the grade five social studies, but no one seemed to care. How how that happens is just so mind-blowing, right? Like they're taught everything they need to know. It's in their face. It's in plain sight, but they can't can't see it. Like they can't see the forest for the trees. Whole, it's, it's just like, insane yeah. yeah mind-boggling like the mass formation psychosis is real i find oh, it hysterical yeah. and then friday here uh is that tomorrow no today's wednesday <laughs> i was like what day is it friday here they have um orange shirt day oh yes which is coming up i don't know if uh, your daughter went through that this is new for my kids i don't think they've experienced orange shirt day yet so for anyone who doesn't know what that is it's uh a day where the uh recognize truth and reconciliation with the native population and i don't have any problem with that but also like my we're supposed they're supposed to wear an orange shirt and i have to pay two dollars each for them to wear an orange shirt that i then have to purchase like my kids don't have an orange shirt so like you know maybe i just don't send them with it and uh we'll see what happens i don't know (laughs) i don't know but i just feel like it's um these forced like movements you know, to uh, to participate in. And if you don't participate, you're not like, it's like the AIDS ribbon in Seinfeld. 
<laughs> you guys remember that? Food, yeah. <laughs> Kramer wouldn't wear the AIDS ribbon, but he was willing to walk and march in the AIDS, uh, whatever it was, like awareness, like yeah, march. He just didn't want to wear the ribbon. Didn't want to wear the ribbon, and then they got attacked for not wearing the ribbon. <laughs> so there's there's a thing about like supporting movements. It's all good. It's very performative sometimes, right? And yeah. the same with like big charities and like. Well, like not to bring it back to cancer, but just for a moment, we're entering October, which is the pink month and whatever. Like I have things to say about that. Anyway, it's just uh, like, what if you want to help people, but you don't want to perform or you want to, you don't want to act in that group think kind of way, like then it really sets you apart. And then you're, you're kind of like seen as this kind of like social misfit and it's really awful. And, and it's really usually not the case. It's like, no, no, I, I want to help people. I want to raise awareness, but I want to make a difference. Um, and I think a lot of people just like, they enjoy wearing the t-shirt, doing the walks, giving money, and then they just like wash their hands of it. And they're oh. like, I did my part. But exactly. Like, what did you do exactly? How did you help? Like, are we actually really ending the, you know, whatever's going on uh, I don't know yeah. yeah the best I can just think of uh someone I know who I'm no longer friends with so I don't give a shit what I say about her but um she was for like all the agendas you know but even prior to that I can remember she went to this like huge climate rally and she pulled her kids out of school they made signs for like climate change and all this shit and they're downtown protesting and whatever she doesn't even use a friggin' organic bin. No. You know how, I don't know if you guys have any New York NY, but in, in Toronto, we have like the green bin for like food scraps. Oh, it's God. like compost. You don't have that? No, we have like different things for recyclables, but I, okay. I mean, oh, no, no, you know what? You're right. They they do. Uh, I'm just not in the area where they handed them out. Uh, okay. Prior, before I left, they actually started handing out like these uh, brown little garbage cans that they were saying to actually just throw your food or whatever in there instead of, you know. Yeah, like food yeah. scraps yes. and stuff. Exactly. Yes. Separate so from they the regular did, yes. garbage. I forgot. Yeah. She doesn't even do the green bin. Like, what the heck, man? That's like, you know, environmental one-on-one, like people who don't even sort their recycling or whatever, but then they'll go downtown to a protest. Using Yo, that's a really good pot. point. Like, you don't make any friggin' sense, dude. It's more important, like, how you live your daily life than, like, these big events or these big virtue signals, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, you know what the problem is, too, with these people that jump on this whole climate change? They, they go by what they're seeing today. Go by, how about you take this whole climate change agenda and take it as far back as, it, as it's gone, and you will realize just the claims and things said within the last 20 or 30 years has never happened. Never happened. According to people in New York, in 25 years, the Statue of Liberty was going to be half covered with water because of climate problems. Well, it's not. So if you were to even go back from your original claims, you can see this whole climate change agenda is actually bullshit because nothing has ever happened that they said is going to. Hey. But no, you, 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 you hear it for the first time and let's latch onto it because you want to be cool, you want to be heard, and you need an identity. But you don't totally. look at the last 30 years of bullshit that's never fucking happened. Yeah, like you guys it's, remember it, like Climate change rain. movement itself yes. proves it's wrong. <laughs> climate change movement in itself and the whole entirety of it proves it's fucked up and wrong. Yeah. Oh, oh where'd she go? Oh, I was going to say, maybe, maybe I got her upset. <laughs> no, <it's okay. laughs> 
Uh, would you get? Would get somebody somebody uh, call you and it knocked you off? That's I have no idea. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, okay. Weird. Your bag. <laughs> that funny. was real quick. Yeah. No, I know it's so true. It's just look back in history at all the things they said were gonna happen, and none of them have happened. I, I think we're all like around the same age. Like I remember like acid rain growing up as a kid, and I was yeah. like afraid to go outside in the rain for like a month. Yeah, it, it was scary. And then this whole thing, well, the they, ozone layer. Yeah, the ozone layer. I totally remember that. I was like, oh, yeah. oh we're gonna burn to a crisp. Oh my gosh, you know. Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> it's it, growing. And then, and then in New York, you know, with all this hurricane crap going on. They they talking about it like a, a month or two ago. I forgot. Maybe there was some other hurricane that was coming through, but we didn't get it. But they were talking about it, and they're going on about like you know since I forgot what was the last bad one that we got. They're like, oh, we're not going to be able to withstand another thing like that. And I'm like, but how did we get through the last one? If, right. if we couldn't withstand the last one, how but are we not going to withstand the, the the next one? Like that. This this isn't making sense. We were okay. And, like, people go on about the flooding. It's like, I'm going to be totally honest with you. In New York, this is my opinion. Money that's probably set aside for maintenance on the fucking tunnels and on the sewers probably isn't being used to clean them out. Going into somebody else's pocket, and then when these things flood and fill up because they're filled with crap and go into the streets, it's climate change, and we're going to flood and die. How about you just clean the fucking sewers? (laughs) Because I guarantee you they're not clean. And if you cleaned them, maybe we wouldn't have flooding. Right. What the fuck? Like, I guarantee you it's that simple. They don't clean the sewers. The shit floods. We're going to die. This is what they do. It's fucking insane. Because we didn't have this problem 30 years ago when there was less crap in the fucking sewers. People use them as garbage fucking garbage bins. They they have shit in them. I did notice that in New York. I've been a couple times and... Um, one like telltale sign you're in America is that there's no recycling bins anywhere. Like as soon as you get it, I noticed that as soon as I got in the airport, I don't know how it is now because I haven't been there in a long time. As soon as I landed, I like had to throw out like a water bottle or something. And I'm like, where's the, where's the blue bin? Like, where's the recycling? Like, I mean, it's I've, just like trash everywhere. I mean, it's I've even done trash. it myself. Put I, your I, trash wherever the fuck you want. I could be walking down the street. I'll have an empty cigarette pack in my hand. I'll just crumple it up and toss it into the sewers. I'm walking down the street. Like, now, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only fucking one who's done that. Oh, I'm there sure is crap not. in there, and that's why the fucking water's coming into the streets. But it's funny because it's a, like I feel like a very Canadian trait to like want to take care of like. Oh, the I've heard Canada environment. One of the things I've always heard about Canada is it's clean as fuck. But then there's some Mostly. areas I heard that's horrible, but I've heard that most of the... That's what everybody says when they go to Canada. Oh, it's so clean. <laughs> that's what I I've just, heard. I, I noticed the opposite in America. As soon as I land, I was like, like yeah. what the fuck is... Where's the blue bin? <laughs> <laughs> well, where'd you land, first off? JFK, I think. Well, you were in New York. I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's man. not the best re- representation of the United States. No, exactly, no. And there's, like, American flags everywhere. Canada's, like, one flag, like, just yeah. on a pole over there. It's just, it's such a difference. It's very funny. Um, but, yeah, so you touched on, like, um, Breast Cancer Awareness Month mm. in October. Yeah. And I know you were actually involved in a campaign for that a while yeah, back, I right? Was, like, in a, in a pretty big way. Um, it's one of these things that kind of happened as well. Like, I didn't seek it out. It found me and... I think I understand why now, <laughs> but at the time it was this thing where I was like, wow, maybe this is going to be uh, my opportunity to, um, 
to tell my story and to help other women and like this whole thing. I was like, okay, like my worlds are converging. It's kind of like the acting stuff and my personal experience with breast cancer coming together and I have a platform. So this is great. Um, yeah, I was, um, I was selected to, um, to submit for uh, this campaign that was running. So in Canada, well, I don't know, I guess it's probably, yeah, it is across Canada. I think so. Maybe just Toronto. No, no, it's across Canada. Uh, The CIBC run for the cure. Um, So they were looking for a young breast cancer um, survivor woman um, who'd had a double mastectomy. So it's pretty specific. Um, And like with acting stuff, normally my agent would submit me for um, consideration for different roles. And in this particular case, um, she wasn't involved. It was kind of like it crossed my path a different way. So I didn't bypass her. I got her involved. But just to say, like, it didn't pass through the regular channels, and I should have probably paid attention to that. So they they sought me out because it was a known fact that I was someone who matched those criteria. Uh, and there are not a lot of us. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Um, or not a lot of us either that would be willing to um, tell the story or to show our scars. So in this case, they were looking for somebody who would be willing to show like uh, the upper half, the torso, right, with the scars and everything. So I, I ended up getting the part or whatever. Um, it was very exciting. And so I did a commercial and I did this whole print campaign. This was in 2017. So they... Um, they showcased me doing, um, getting a tattoo, basically, on my scar. I don't have a real tattoo. I'm not a tattoo person. Um, but it was also to show the idea of, like, um, you don't have to just live with these scars. They don't have to be ugly. You can make them pretty. There's a, mo- a movement towards, like, tattooing your scars and making it more memorable and um, that kind of thing. So I was like, yeah, that's cool. I'll, I'll participate. And yeah, it ended up being across Canada. So the commercial was visible all over. Um, the, the There were billboards. Um, it was on buses. It was on, like, bus shacks. It was on, like, inside washrooms and restaurants. You know, those little, like, posters, things. And um, yeah, huge billboards, like, on, on top of buildings and things like that everywhere. Um, I didn't get paid very much for that. And I, what I mean by that is, as an actor, I know what the rates are typically for things, and um, I got paid like a flat rate. It was two hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> for the commercial. So not That's fun. it. That's it. And then oh, the print man. campaign was separate to that. It was five hundred. Sorry, so like seven fifty total. And I, I'm giving you these numbers because I don't care. <laughs> like I just want to just be honest. This is uh, like because it was a PSA. I, I guess this is what they do. They don't um, they don't pay regular like commercial rates for mm. um, for these types of things. So the actor. I will like, soon arrive in. Fl- I don't know what that was. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit that out. <laughs> I don't know. It was funny. fucking Instagram. <laughs> um. Yeah. So no. It just it doesn't pay regular rates. Just so you know, like I think that even. Um, some of the uh, possibly the producers take a cut as well but i'm not clear on that but the people higher up to that like the um, ad executives and the creatives and all that they get regular rates like they don't no yeah no one gets a, a pay cut i was gonna <laughs> say i'm like 
I don't see the advertisers taking a cut there. I don't think so. No. no. <laughs> exactly. No. <laughs> no, the person taking the but cut's we, the last we, one on the phone. It's not, it's not pro bono or anything. No. Like, yeah. It seemed like charity work to do mm. this. So I felt good about it too. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to take like a regular mm. um, rate for that. I don't even, right now I couldn't tell you what, what it would pay normally, but for a, a print campaign to go across Canada, that's pretty massive. Like I don't. I was gonna say, I'm just like. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. if it was a different product, it would be in the thousands for sure. And uh, commercial, uh, it depends. I guess if this was through the union, which it was, it it could be another few thousand as well, and some something to that effect. Anyway, so I got the opportunity to to take some speaking engagements. Um, so I spoke for. Um, for the run, like I had this brief little thing, and then I um, also spoke at another event for the CIBC uh, people. But I remember being like disconnected from uh, like the true purpose of this whole thing. So there's a lot of like awareness being brought to breast cancer. We're already aware of breast cancer. That's not what's necessary anymore. Like we know, like is it like one in eight women will have breast cancer in the course of their life? I think it's pretty. Oh wow. It's, it's, it's quite high. Um, and then the money, like people were just donating like crazy, like huge amounts. And, um, you know, you gather a group together and then you um, you kind of like collectively, you call yourself a team and then you collectively, you know, raise funds as a team. And then you go up against other teams and whoever wins, whoever generates the most money for the cause is celebrated as well. I started to notice some things like that and also who they picked for other parts in the commercial that I was in. It wasn't just cancer survivors. So they ended up choosing these beautiful young girls. And I remember meeting them. They were getting a lot of press attention. And I was like, oh, like, who are they? Did they go through cancer? Did their parents go through cancer? Nope, not at all. They were just actresses. And they got what? a lot of attention because they were young. And beautiful, and I'm like, what is going on? This doesn't make sense, you know. Like, wow. Um, so I didn't really get that many opportunities to talk about like what it was to go through cancer and like why it might be different for someone who's on the younger end of the spectrum um, than than someone who's maybe a little bit older. Like what we would expect for someone, you know, to be diagnosed with cancer. Usually, you think of like, oh, like 60s, 70s, something like that. No, like I was 31 when I was diagnosed. So that's, yeah, in the prime of your life. And I was a young mom at that time, young single mom. Right? But, and that's significant, not because I want to label myself as one, but like I didn't have another, I didn't have a partner supporting me. I didn't have other sources of income, like that whole thing, just like everything fell apart. And it was not easy to come out of that and to recover. So like there's this huge piece that I was like, where's this money going to it's certainly not going to survivors was i expected to survive at all like what's what's going on like um so people feel really good about participating there's a lot of rah-rah and like you dress in pink and like um the energy is really great i think people feel as though they're doing something but it's kind of like running in place it's really not here's the thing, right? Like that was five years ago when I was in that first commercial. They brought me back in 2018 to do another one as well. Same kind of thing. But uh, the stats that they're sharing now, like cancer hasn't ended. 
breast cancer is not going down. It's not declining. It's actually getting more and more um, prominent. Like more people are being di diagnosed with cancer and breast cancer alone than ever before and younger and younger people. So I started to look at it very differently. Like, oh my gosh, was I just used? <laughs> like, did they use my image to portray, like to normalize cancer happening in younger people? Uh, that's horrifying. This should not be normal. Like, there's nothing normal about this. Yeah. Um, and the fact that, like, when you come out of breast cancer, probably many other types of cancers as well, you've gone through surgery, you've gone through radiation, you've gone through a bunch of different types of chemo and drugs and whatnot. You have lifelong side effects, probably. If not side effects, you have some kind of, like, I have lymphedema. So this is, like, I wear this compression sleeve. Uh, because I don't have lymph nodes on one side, they cut them all out. So fluid builds up, the lymph fluid uh, builds up in my arm unless I wear this to push it back into the center of my body. This sleeve alone costs me $300 out of pocket every six months. So I ended up with additional costs that I have to like work to find somehow. Uh, coming out of breast cancer, I was like given a, a bill for life essentially, and I'm like, what, what, like how is how does that make sense and a customer for life oh right? exactly yeah mm. so i don't wow. i don't really i don't really subscribe to these big charities like i just don't understand where like is money going to research research for what uh, the drugs that we're going to be put on or maybe i think some of them are, are real and that they do help with that but nothing goes to prevention and nothing mm. goes to awareness that it's not normal to be 31 diagnosed with cancer like when you're already a healthy person like what was I supposed to I, I don't know like what could I have done to prevent I'm not sure I drove myself crazy trying to figure it out um, you know you mentioned it before I think something about charities and I was going to say something uh, yeah. and now you're mentioning it again I mean it's unfortunate but like if you do look into I mean I don't know how it is over in Canada but in the United States charities and non-for-profits they have plenty of loopholes to actually really not do all that much with that money that you just gave them. I mean, the March of Dimes. They're called the March of Dimes because they're only giving 10 cents out of each dollar you give them to whatever they're doing. Oh, my God. Is that what it's called? Yeah, there, there, there's ways. There's legal ways of paying people still and not actually mm. using all that money. So, like, I, I mean, and I don't want this to be, like, a touchy subject for you because I understand, like, you know, but uh, maybe some of those charities are just more about making money and, and using a fucked up situation to do it. I hate to say it. You know? I think yeah. it is like that. I don't even, like, I'm not, not offended by yeah. you saying that. Well, I, I'm of the same opinion at this point. Like, I, I feel bad saying it out loud in a way because I'm like, well, have I just jeopardized any other opportunities that are going to come up for me to be a voice for another? I don't know. I'm done. It's all good. <laughs> what ended up happening actually is important. Um, in 2019, uh, they ended up re-airing the 2018 commercial without my knowledge or consent. So this was actually, well, quite eye-opening because um, I didn't know this could happen. And I thought because I was an actor and because I was a real breast cancer survivor that for sure I would be protected from something like this happening. Normally as an actor, if this happens, you, you chase after the money, right? Like you go through your agent and you 
you uh, you let them know, like, hey, you know, they're re-airing this thing. They signed, uh, con I signed a contract for one year that shouldn't be happening. Like, what's going on? I had to go through so much red tape just to get to the bottom of it, like to find the ad agency that was responsible for this. And they knew they were in the wrong. And they tried to pull like this whole thing. They tried to say that um, I was in it for money. Or they asked me what my price was. And I was like, there's no price. Just take it off the air. I never gave you permission. That's all I want. They're like, well, give us, give us a, what's your fee? What's your, like, okay. Oh, wow. Bucks, okay. Yeah. So they gave me $500. But I asked them to take it off the air because that's what I was really after. Um, and it was just this weird, surreal moment. This other woman who's also a breast cancer survivor was featured in that same commercial from 2018. She knew about it. We had a bit of a, a back and forth. She decided not to pursue. She didn't feel good about it. Her sister had just died recently of breast cancer in that within that year. And our discussion was simply that they decided to re-air a commercial with real breast cancer survivors, not paying any attention to the sensitivity of this matter, like for us personally as humans. We were not just actors portraying, like this is, what if one of us had died, you know, and they were re-airing this without yeah. knowledge or consent or a family's awareness. So they, they went ahead and did that. I'm really surprised at that, actually, having worked in an advertising agency, that they wouldn't try to legally clear that with you first because you only signed the contract for one year. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, and then, like, you know, going through the trouble of having their buyers and planners, like, plan and buy that that ad space, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. To not to fuck around with, like, you should not do that. But that's probably why they didn't go through your agent initially. Of course. And all the regular channels, like you were yeah. saying, because they knew that they can just try to dick you around, like, <laughs> you know, basically. It wasn't even right? good. <laughs> yeah, they don't care, you know. It's, yeah, and that's, you know, why I left that industry as well. It's pretty cold. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I realized very quickly that, that last year, the 2019, that it wasn't about my story, my voice. I really was insignificant in the whole game. They were just using my image, my likeness, to show like, oh, look, it happens to young people too. And it's like, okay, great. Yeah. And now what? Like, what are we going to do? Yeah, and I just, for context, like for NY and, and people who are not from Canada, like this is a huge campaign she's talking about. Like the CIBC run for the cure, like you do that in school, yeah. <laughs> like they like push, they like push you to do that for like volunteer hours. It's like a yeah. huge to do, um, like across the country in October. So yeah, it's pretty significant. And now, and now we're seeing like not only you know normalizing cancer in young people now as normalizing myocarditis in exactly. children. Yeah. So that happened all like twenty. 17 to 2019 and then the pandemic 2020 I was acutely aware of pharmaceutical like you know wrongdoings and things like that and I'm just like oh I even have one other story oh my gosh I don't know yeah time, but of course it's just uh while I was going through cancer I I was invited to participate in a um human clinical trial and so um this particular like um, opportunity came up my the nurse that was in charge of, of my um, my cohort or whatever like the young people 
she was like, oh, this would be so perfect for you. They follow you for 10 years. And what you get is you, um, you get this drug administered, or it's a placebo, so you're going to be in one of the two groups. It's a well-known drug. It's already been established. It's being used for other purposes right now. It's actually for osteoporosis. But they just want to see if, um, if it'll help with breast cancer recurrence. So you have to, you have to remember, um, or imagine, you know, I'm, I'm so scared at this point. I'm 31. I'm a, a single mom. I like, I lost everything. I have nothing to lose. So I'm just like presented with this, this opportunity to maybe, maybe live longer. <laughs> Here we go with that. Right. Um, and to be followed closely so that, you know, there's no recurrence or if there is, they can catch it on time. Like, why wouldn't I say yes? So I, volunteered I said sure I'll do it um so 10 years is what it was supposed to be they ended up pulling the plug on this particular trial after about I think it was two years I'll get back to that I ended up pulling the plug myself after maybe one year I think it was even less I started to experience some very significant and weird side effects so um, some pieces of bone from my jaw were starting, like they would, they came out. It happened twice. So it would just like start to protrude. And I was like, what's happening? Am I growing a tooth? I don't know. And then like a piece of bone came out. So I, I, wow. <laughs> I collected these pieces. It happened two times, like I said. And um, I talked to my nurse and she's like, yeah, I don't know what it is. But like you could go see a specialist and just get it. Um, examined, analyzed, and see what they say. Because um, one of the side effects that were listed, and I did read, like they sent me, oh my God, so much paperwork to read through. Like there was informed consent and I signed forms for this. Like this was done properly. This is how a human clinical trial is supposed to run. Um, so yeah, they would tell me every time something new came up as well. I was sent forms to sign every time they discovered a new side effect and things like that. Again, this is how a clinical trial is supposed to run. You're supposed to be aware of these things when you're in. Um, but yeah, for this particular thing, it said uh, you may experience, it's very rare, but osteonecrosis of the jaw. And I was like, what the hell is that? So it's basically uh -huh. when you're like, your jaw kind of like deteriorates and yeah, and, and, and what is the word? Like ne necrosis? Necrosis has to do with death, yeah. That. Mm -hmm. So it breaks down and dies. Like, what the heck? You lose your teeth and, like, everything rots. Like, what? I don't want that happening. But, yeah, it's very rare, so it's probably not going to happen. But then you get these pieces of bone are falling out of my mouth, and I'm like, what? what is it? Could it be that? So I go see a specialist. I pay out of pocket because, of course, it's not covered. Um, and I don't have coverage anyway. It's not that. Um, so, yeah. Beautiful, the beautiful Canadian healthcare system. I know, right? That covers so the specialist that. just says, yeah, it's, I think it could be osteonecrosis of the jaw, actually. I, I have never seen this before, um, but we're going to put it down. And she wrote it on the, the form, the examination form. And then I brought that back to the nurse. And she's like, well, I'm going to talk to the pharmaceutical company. And um, we're going to bring it in so that they can determine if this is something that, you know, um, warrants to be pulled out of the trial or, like, should it be... Um, revealed or whatever like anyway they're going to disclose that so they uh they they do they come back and they say um yeah no there's no evidence that this was osteonecrosis and uh we were trying to get coverage for the 
the cost that I paid out of pocket for the specialist, and they did not reimburse for that. Either. What? So yeah, it was completely denied, declined, all that stuff. They said it was probably due to chemo that I had gone through before, but none of the side effects listed included that uh, osteonecrosis thing for the chemos that I went through. Um, and it was just completely, yeah, just ignored and nothing like it just disappeared. And then the nurse that was in charge of that clinical trial ended up uh, leaving and another nurse took over. And I think that happened a couple of times as well until I finally, I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Um, I'm going to pull out of the, the trial. Can I stop? And they said, yes, you can stop. It's fine. Um, so that's another thing that's really important to know is if you're part of a clinical trial, you're allowed to leave when you've had enough. You can say no. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, like I said, within the span of a year, I, I ended up leaving the trial and then the trial ended because there were too many side effects. There were things like, hap uh, um, what was it, like fem femur um, fractures happening quite a lot. And this was supposed to be something that helped build the bone yeah. <laughs> in the bone. I was going to say. And like I said, it was a well-known drug that was already in use for other populations to prevent osteoporosis but it had never been tested in a population of breast cancer survivors for another purpose, for the purpose of cancer um, recurrence prevention. So even with a known drug, you don't know the side effects that may come if it hasn't been tested in a particular population. So, oh my gosh, like my eyes were wide open because of that as well, right? To the pharmaceutical like nonsense that could potentially be at play. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's really wild that that happened to you. I know. My goodness. And then when you stopped taking it, did your bone, like, was your jaw, like, okay after, like, regenerated? It only happened those two times. So I feel like probably it was due to not receiving more injections. Oh, and lo and behold, of course, I was unblinded from the study. They told me I was in the placebo group. So uh, apparently I wasn't even on the real drug and I have zero explanations i'm left in the dark do you but believe that i don't i don't believe that i, I can't <laughs> believe that it doesn't make sense i actually learned though uh, that in some trials that the placebo gr group may actually be receiving a drug it's just not the main drug right that's you what they do with um oh, pokey things right. so when they test pokey stuff i didn't know this before they don't test it against saline like, the control group is not saline. The control group is another jab. Come on. Yeah. Wow. You know, I it's was going to... In children, like, regular schedule, children's vaccines. Fuck. That's so disturbing. Yeah. I was going to... I want to ask you, when they... Did they give you a reason why that may have happened? No. <laughs> See, because, like, yeah. I was wondering, like, okay, is this happening maybe because of something you've taken before? Is there something inside your system that it's not working well with? Or... Because... You're saying it's used for something else. So, like, unless it's because of something with you in the past, I would assume yeah. that those side effects are actually still possible for the people using it for something else. Do you know what I'm saying? I think so, yeah. Like, absolutely. so, yeah. if they didn't give you a reason why, I'm wondering if those side effects are actually normal for people taking it for the other reason. Right. Which is kind of fucked up. Yeah, that it's is really weird. fucked up. Well, they guess blamed it on the chemo, you said. They did. Yeah. Well, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. But like, is that true? You know what I'm saying? Like, so many years that's... later, I don't know if that yeah. would really, yeah, affect in that way. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but still, that is really crazy. Yeah. 
Wow. And then there's another example of like gaslighting in your life. You're like, here we go again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, why would I lie about this? I don't know. Like, look at the bones. I saved them in a bag for you. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like a little Ziploc bag. <laughs> oh, my God. That's crazy. Okay. So in your view, just to kind of like wrap things up, in your view and all the things you've been through, because it's so much, where do you see like life for you and then for the world, like in the near future? Whoa. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> fucked up. Right. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, like on on one side, I feel like I want to follow my own instincts and my own will. And like you know, in a perfect world, I would be, um, I would be continuing to speak the truth as freely as I can until censorship gets a hold of every platform and we can't do it anymore. Um, and just like in terms of earning income and supporting myself and my daughter, like I just hope to be able to have freedom to choose what I do for a living. At the moment, there isn't a lot of choice. Like I can't, I can't go back on set at the moment until I have two or three pokey things, and that's the minimum required at the moment. So I'm out. Um, I'm doing a job that I don't really love right now, but um, hopefully that changes soon. And continuing to teach movement and. Um, and nutrition, because I think that's so key. That's my passion is to help people really like gain control over their health and know how to live in their physical bodies, but also their spiritual bodies, because it's all can, it's, you know, it's all together. Um, to to just remain as healthy as I can for as long as I get to be on this planet, and then like to support my daughter as she navigates you know going like finishing high school and then whatever that looks like for her beyond I don't know about university she likes to think about the future in that way like that conventional way um and I'm not here to burst her bubble either but um she's discovering on her own like oh wow that might not be all it's cracked up uh, to be right um the indoctrination the propaganda and all that stuff it's um she's very independent though so I, I support her being um, an entrepreneur. So if we can continue on that path, both for myself and for herself, I think being self-employed might be the, the way to go. Like if you can support yourself and not have to rely on other people to employ you or to, uh, if you can avoid receiving or depending on money from others, just in general, the government especially, <laughs> then like you're, you're doing so well. And then for the world, I just... I just hope that the world starts to collectively open their eyes to all of this control, manipulation, propaganda stuff, and just sees that like they're they're not they're not looking out for the betterment of humanity or our health. Like there's there's a deeper agenda at play, and um, and this is dark. Like this is a spiritual battle. We're just we're in it right now. It's good versus bad. It's dark versus light, and um, it's going to play out for a while. Um, I don't know. I just hope for more truth and that's it for more people to, um, to realize that, that they've been duped. <laughs> and then I don't know what that looks like, but just, uh, it probably involves a lot of destruction to, you know, to get to the point of rebuilding. But I guess I, I hope for that collective awareness. That's it. Yeah. Agree. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much, Sylvie, for coming on the podcast and sharing your experience. You've been through so much. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
having me. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. And then do you want to tell people where they can find like um, either your like fitness and nutrition or your podcast and all that? Yeah, for sure. So I'm at the wellness girl. So if you want to find me over on Instagram at that handle uh, and my podcast is just called the wellness girl podcast. Um, we talk a little bit about gaslighting, narcissism, um, just overall health awareness, um, the new normal um it was more active in 2020, I, I would say, than it is now. But I start, I still release um, episodes here and there. Um, just, yeah. And you're out. also an amazing baker. Too. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> side business. Yeah. I mean, if anyone's looking for home-baked goods, I yeah, man. make them as healthy and wholesome as possible. But I can also make them dirty if you prefer that. <laughs> <laughs> no, the ingredients are good no matter which way. Um, but I make, like, home-style cooking and, um, and baking for... Uh, for a little bit of pocket change, you know, it's something I enjoy doing as well. But it's like an option. Oh, that's nice. As long as you enjoy doing it, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly. Awesome. Yeah. And thank you, NY, for joining us today. Oh, of course. No, this was this was good. Thank you. I know, right? Yeah. Just full of full of experiences. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, do you want to tell people where they can find you elsewhere? Uh, so just yeah, Instagram is probably the best place. Oh yeah, no yeah. sorry, NY. Yeah. It's a, oh sorry, yeah. yeah yeah. No that's okay. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, and just uh, yeah, we'll also add your links to your stuff inside the show notes awesome. as well. So uh, yeah, your 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 links will be in there. And uh, my stuff, uh, it's in that nice little link tree that uh, was made for me by uh, by Helen, one of my uh, listeners and fans. Uh, everything in there, it's all in there. My YouTube, my NY Patriot show, and the Occult Rejects, and even the link for the Spiritual Gangsters is in there, as well as Teresa's link in the show notes. So, uh, yeah, everything is in the show notes for my show and the Occult Rejects. Awesome. Thank you, guys, and thank you to those who are listening, and we will see you in the next one. Later. <laughs>